everyone, and everyone at home. So great you could join us and be with us together today. Um, now, there's two little films I want us to watch at the start. And these two guys, very different, but I want you to kind of see if you can work out there's something they have in common. So we're just going to watch this together now. What do they have in common? Apart from both being men, obviously. Well, this is what they have in common. These guys are absolutely known to be always up for their passion. Always, all the time. And so you think of Bear Grylls now. If he, if he wants him like a poster boy for the scouts, it's going to be Bear Grylls because he's like always kind, always generous, always had a good word to say, and always up for adventure. You've never, ever seen Bear Grylls wanting to wimp out of you. You know, on anything you watch him, you never see him go, oh, no, thank you. But he's always in there. He's relentless. In fact, he has his own little phrase, doesn't he? NGU, never give up. And that's Bear Grylls. And it's like you expect nothing less. And a couple of months ago, I was seeing on um, Instagram that he was doing a skydive with his father. And he made his father skydive with him. I mean, that's a great birthday present, isn't it? And so you can see with, with Bear Grylls, he is always up for adventure. And then Jamie Oliver. Now, I don't watch many cooking programs. In fact, I don't watch any cooking programs except Jamie and Jimmy's Friday Night Feast. And the reason for that is Jamie makes you want to cook and eat it. I never do, but he makes you almost want to. I almost feel like I, I would almost go into the kitchen and make that afterwards. And so there's something passionate. You never see Jamie Oliver go, hmm, I don't know, that was a, mm, that was a bit creamy. Or he'll go, hmm, creamy as well. And it's like he's always up for the food. Always, always, always. I've never seen him turn anything down. And he puts across in his program this kind of fun, happy, loves of food. You can see from that little film there, all the, the language, the gorgeousness, it's amazing. He's like in love with food. And so I would say these these guys are always men. That's the difference. You put that up. That's it. They are always. They are always loving food, always loving adventure. And they have so devoted themselves to it that they have become that. They're like synonymous with it. So when you think of adventure, you think Bear Grylls. You think passionate for food. You might think Jamie Oliver amongst all the many others, but he's the only one I watch. And it's like their life has become stamped with a stamp of always. So you know sometimes you want to see where something's made and you look underneath, there might be a stamp on it, or they're marked to see who's made it, where it's from. It's like the stamp of their life is always. You expect nothing less. And I want to think today, what is our always? If someone was to describe you, what's your always? Always cheerful, always grumpy, always hungry. You know, I remember when our kids were growing up and teenagers, their always was always hungry. You feed them dinner within an hour, they're still hungry. And as we've embraced this love series, I feel our challenge on this last day is can we become always people in the realm of love? So when you think of food or you think of adventure, Bear or Jamie, but with our love series, can we become and always people that our life is stamped and hallmarked by love. And so let's look at the last verses of our series. We're finishing the series today, our love goals. And here we go with, Paul, with what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking not easily angered, and keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, 
but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The three most important things to have are faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of them is love. And so today, our last day of the series, we're going to look at always. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This love is an always thing. And I think these verses today kind of sum up the whole series that we've looked at. Because in these words here, it's talking about protection, and that is protecting one another and protecting the vulnerable, and protecting our faith. It's about trust, always trusting in God, because he is always faithful. It's looking at hope and perseverance, that we continue, we continue, we persevere, and we never give up. And when it says love never fails, it really means love is the answer. Love is the core. It is the core of life. It's the core of our being. It's the core of this very world that God made. It is his core, and it will never fail us. And so being like always a person of love, that's a challenge for us, isn't it? That's our challenge. That is our love goal, that our hallmark, the hallmark of our life, would generally be love. As individuals, as the church community, Um, as friends, as neighbors, that there would be a hallmark of love on our life. But our love goal is God's reality. So for us, it's a goal. It's something to aim for. It's something we're we're on a journey towards. But for God, it's, it's not a journey or an aim. It's his reality. It is his reality right now that he is always love because that is who he is. So this morning, I'm going to look at two things. And the first one is the always God, that he is always. He is always true, always forgiving, always loving. Sometimes you and I, we feel like God is like us, like human beings. So if we offend him, he's in a mood or keeps a distance. But that is not God. He is always loving and always forgiving. And it's important we don't project our own frailty onto who God is and think that you know, we have to distance ourselves because God is not the one doing the distancing. And it's important for us to know that God's love never ends and it never gives up and it is always there. And if there's anything else we learn, by the end of today, I want it to be this. He is the always God. He always loves you. He is always there. And so this sets the goal for us. Imagine the kind of world if we were an always love people, if we could love one another as God loves us. But the core truth that can change our life is that God is faithful in loving us. And grasping this is foundational to our identity Now, our world will try and sell us many things that that say, because we all can be a little anxious about our identity or how we fit into the world, and that's like a, a human trait. We're looking where we fit. What tribe do we fit with? Am I accepted? Do I fit? And it's about our identity. Now, the world will sell us, if you just buy this or go there or achieve this or have this success or buy this, but now you've bought that, you've got to buy this. And the world will sell us many things to say, now your identity is secure. 
but actually our identity, the very nature of who we are, that we can leave our house and face other people and feel at ease with our world. Our very core of identity comes from knowing that the all-creator, master of the universe, God, loves you. That he loves you, you're accepted, and you're all right. So you have that sense, I'm okay So when the voices come that we should try harder or we should do this or we should be that, actually knowing that God loves us, he is with us and that will never change because he is the always God. And that foundational truth at our core, that can change everything. Now many times people over the years have come to chat to me and spend some time talking about anxiety. And a lot of anxiety does spring from not knowing our identity, where we fit, and not feeling loved. Now, some years ago, and that's, that's why <clears throat> knowing deep down the security that God loves you can change everything. It can put our anxiety in its place, knowing that we're loved by God. Anyway, for some years, we ran a project called The Gap. And when we ran this project called The Gap up at our Penn Land Building, we ran it for 13 years and had over 2,000 young people from the area come on the course. And most of these young people lived in dysfunctional homes. They were marginalized. They lived in terrible poverty. They were in the areas of mostly Penland, Blind, and Mice and Clace. And they had dropped out of school, uh, truanting, um, desperate really. It was very, very sad. And so we set up this course as a church to try and get these young people back into education or training. And it was so successful um, that we were able to help other uh, counties across Wales put this into practice and change some of the way education was done. And what happened is the gap became a new home. So there was five of us on the team. And when these young people came in every day, and some of these were young people that no one else could do anything with. And it was hard. It wasn't easy. When I look back, in one way, it was a golden time, but in another way, it was so tough. I remember many times just crying at night over the sadness of their lives. Now, many of the kids that we work with, um, the root cause, spending time with them, they come for nine months and they go on to work and training. It really worked. And I think it worked because the team around them were loving Christians. We became their new home, their new family. There was an acceptance and they absolutely blossomed under that. And for many of them, when they would share about their life, the root issue was love. They were asking this question all the time, am I loved? Because around them, they went through such neglect, such poverty, no one really bothered with them because they were a nuisance in the family, uh, their parent or their gran or their carer or, or the uncle or the uncle's girlfriend, whoever it was they ended up living with didn't really want them around and they could feel it. And out of that neglect or lack of care, they questioned Am I loved? Am I loved? Am I loved? And a lot of their antisocial behavior came out of that neglect, lack of care, and anger, where they were like kicking back, trying to find if you really love them. So when they came on the course with us, in those first few months, they would kick off to try and test us if our love and our care for them was real. And this is what we found we had to do. Every time they were like kicking off, they're just asking this, 
Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me now? 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 It's like the worst behavior they could get. Underneath was this question in pushing the boundaries. They were at this stage of like teenage self-loathing where they felt horrible and they, were, they, they, they couldn't believe anyone else wouldn't think they were horrible. And so as a team, we said, however bad it gets, and this would be a wise parent, a wise teacher, a wise friend, Our role is to be always. We have to be consistent in everything we do. However far they push, consistent, consistent, consistent. We just show love back, show love back, show love back, show love back. By the end of the nine months of some of the roughest, toughest individuals being with us, uh, there are many young men at age 16 crying in the car park that they didn't want to leave the course because they had so found family, love, and acceptance. This is what love does. Now, we might not be at the extreme end of that, but we too have that aching inside to know that we're loved and we fit. And we do, because God always loves you. He always cares. He is always there for you. And he always forgives. And he is the embracing God. When the prodigal son did the most insulting thing to his father in asking for his inheritance now, it's as good as saying, um, well, die today, Papa, because I want the money now. And he went off and wasted it all. And when he came to his senses, he thought, even the servants are treated better at my father's house. And when he came home wondering and just wondering if like, that distance could be could be you know, shortened between him and the father. The father was looking every day. And this is a picture of God. He was always looking, always waiting, always looking at the horizon of the hill for his son. And that one day his son crawled back. The minute the father saw him, the father ran and embraced and held him. The always father, the always God, always loving you. Don't keep your distance because he's not going anywhere. He is always. And it is foundational to our balance as human beings to, to live out of this core truth and not live out of the everything that's pushed upon us by the media that we neglect our relationship in the core of our being with God because we're chasing other things when really the secret is right here to come to grips with the deep core foundational truth that God loves you and you're all right and he's not going anywhere. What proof do we have that he loves us like that? What is the proof? And there can be no greater proof than the cross. Now Jesus was a young man. He was only 33 when he went to the cross. And when he wrestled in Gethsemane saying, Father, is there another way? When he realized there was no other way, he willingly went to the cross for you and I to die for everything we've done wrong that we can be reconciled to God. Because he wanted to close that distance. There was a distance between us and God because of the things we've done wrong. And and the Father is not happy with that distance. And Jesus said, I will close it. And he closed that distance by being willing at 33 to go to the cross and die for us. 
And when he died, he died in our place that we could be reconciled to God, that we could come close and not be at a distance. And that is the ultimate. And, and the Bible says in John, it says that um, a true friend is those who, he, he who would lay down his life for his friends. Now hear this, John, Jesus was saying this, no one has greater love than this. This is the ultimate love, to lay down his life for his friends. That's you and me, Jesus' friends. He calls us friends. Wow. That is all the way that we would be his friends and that he died for us, the always friend. Never doubt that he's there or how he feels about you. He is the always friend. Now, recently, it was on the news that Kirk Douglas passed away on the 5th of Feb, aged 103. Now, that's a good innings, isn't it? 103, my goodness. And, and there's been lots of articles written how, about his life, how he went from rags to riches. And also in Hollywood at that time, there was a blacklist of Jews, communists, and people who just wouldn't be employed by the media moguls and the film industry. And Kirk Douglas broke that blacklist by hiring people that nobody else would, directors, producers that were blacklisted. And he was known for breaking breaking through and his philanthropy and the millions he's given away over the years. But as a young man, um, as an actor, and here he is obviously with the lovely Welsh Catherine Zeta-Jones, had to get her picture in there. Uh, she hasn't aged at all, has she? She still looks like 20, whereas he has aged a little bit at 103, but still doing well. And um, because it was all in the news and everything, one day I came home and I was waiting for the news, and I put the TV on, and I caught the last, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of one of his most famous films, Spartacus, filmed in 1960. You know the one? I'm Spartacus, no, I'm Spartacus. You know that one? And if you don't, just go, just go Google it, anybody under 30 in the room. And, um, of course, what, what this film is about, it was a film that there was actually a real person called Spartacus who was a Thracian slave, and he bravely led a slave revolt against the Romans. And the Romans very tactically um, separated him, really, from the crowd that began to follow him of hundreds of slaves. I mean, it was miraculous how they will escape various things, but there we go. I don't know if that's all in the film, but that's what happened to him. Now, at the end of the film is this. Now, this made me smile. I only caught the end of the film. So at the end of the film, there's this um, battle going on, and, this, and what happened is that um, he had... Uh, Spartacus had met this guy called Antonius, uh, who was also a slave, and loved him like a son. And so, you know, he was his best friend, but loved him like a son. And in the end, when they caught the final few slaves, uh, the Romans decided to make them fight to the death, and whoever lived at the end of the fight would be crucified. And so this ends up with Spartacus and Antonius fighting together. And so I catch the film at this point where they're having a fight. Do you know because it's Hollywood in the 1960s, you've got, I think it might have been Tony Curtis playing Antonius, and then you've got a very young Kirk Douglas, and then that kind of slave outfit of neat little brown tunic, you know, with little slits at the side and sandals, which they had to take off for the fight. So it's all quite funny, really, but, you know, so they're having this fight. Um, but you realise that the winner of the fight will be crucified. 
And so Spartacus doesn't want his friend Antonius to die the most horrible Roman death where they killed people by crucifixion, which was a long, lingering, terrible, torturous death. And so in this fight, they end up scrabbling on the floor. And then Kirk Douglas, I mean Spartacus, says to Antonius, forgive me as he plunges the sword into his side and kills his friend. And they kind of die in a man wrestle. And the Romans looking on have a tear in their eye. And it's all very, and the music goes and everything. So you know that not only has he had to kill his friend, but now he goes to crucifixion. And so at the very end, they, they span down this road where there's all these people like on crosses, but then there is Spartacus. And just as somebody is like escaping, taking his wife and baby uh, to safety, they stop the chariot and very dangerously, the wife gets out. But will the Romans crucify her as well? And she gets out of the carriage with the baby to go to Spartacus and show him the baby. He lives on. He is born free because of what you did. And it pans to Spartacus, and there he is on the cross, having the most comfy cross experience. (laughs) Somebody has blow-dried his hair, he's blowing in the wind, there's the little thing in his chin just still there, and he has a weepy, sentimental conversation with his wife and the little boy born free as they go off into the distance, and the film ends with Spartacus kind of dozing off to a nice afternoon nap on the cross. And when I watched that, I was like, do you know, it's a very sentimental farewell, but what Jesus went through was not a comfy cross experience. It wasn't some game up at the Penland experience. Jesus suffered in our place. And he went to that with full knowledge, not just the physical torture, but being separated from his father for the first time, that our sins, yours and mine, would be on Jesus that we could be reconciled to God and brought close. What a price he paid. What a price. And that was for you and me, the always man. What proof is there that he loves you? The cross. The cross is the proof that he went always, all the way. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul explains it like this. For God was in Christ. So God was in Christ doing this act reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are reconciled with God. No need to be at a distance because of Jesus. We have been brought close. I hope today, we're going on to the next point now, but I hope you take that deep into your heart, the always God. Don't doubt him because he is always loving, always forgiving for you. And the second thing to look at this morning now is our always challenge. So we've looked at the always God. Now, can we be an always people? Now, we know because we're fallen, we're not perfect. We can't be always anything, can we? Because, you know, we're human and we're messed up. But, but could there be at least a hallmark of love on our lives? That the overwhelming sense or smell or presence or feeling about our lives is one of love. Now, the other day, um, we were talking to some people and summing up, what does it feel like to be part of Cornerstone? And a lot of people went, well, it's a loving community, isn't it? I, I feel loved and accepted for just who I am. 
I don't have to be anyone else. I can be myself. I feel accepted. It's a loving place. It's a place of love. That's a hallmark of love. So it doesn't mean that we're perfect at loving each other and we don't sometimes mess up or neglect something or get scratchy, but together we are a loving community. So I'm talking about, when I talk, talk about us being an always people, I don't mean like 100% perfection. I mean the general direction of our lives. Can we be an always people with God's help? So how can we grow towards that always? How can we be love that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, a love that never fails? Well, here's a couple of thoughts of what we can do about that. And the first one is this, is to apply teaching, to apply teaching. So now at the moment, everyone's rushing out buying hand sanitizer and antibacterial spray, aren't they? But it's no good if you have it all stacked up in the kitchen and never use it, is it? It's meant to be applied. So you're meant to put the anti-back on your hands and you're meant to spray everything that moves so every, you know, all the germs are killed. But wouldn't it be crazy if you went and bought it all and then put, oh great, that's all there now, but you never apply it. And in the same way, we need to apply the teaching that we've heard over the last few weeks. In fact, Jesus said, it's got to be more than hearing. It needs to be putting into practice. This is what he said. Jesus said, so then, everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And they talk about building the house. That's our life, building our life on the rock of his word. So I want to encourage us with this season um, and this series that we've done. Go back and listen to them again. Look at the teaching. Re-listen on the internet. And so if you go onto our website, all the talks are there from the series. And you can go back and go, yeah, actually, I have a bit of an anger problem. I'm going to listen to that one again and see if I'm putting the teaching into practice. And all the various talks, go on the church website and let us give ourselves. And God says he is like a potter and we're the clay. And as we surrender ourselves to God, he molds us and shapes us us. As we surrender ourselves to to him, he will make us like that. So the hallmark of our life will become love, to be fashioned in his image. So just as he is love, we become love. Isaiah 64, 8 says this, yes, you Lord are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So let's look at those love goals. How can we be more kind, patient, not jealous, not boastful or rude? How do we become more consistent, more journeying towards always? And I would say the first thing is to go back and put teaching into practice. And so we don't just glide over it, but we go back and say, Lord, I really want you to help me in this so that I grow. And the second area that we talked about so much really is our surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Because it is all about the work of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. As we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit, he pours out rivers of living water. And the evidence, the fruit in our lives will be the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's about staying connected. And Jesus puts it himself this way. I I would say, you know when we were doing the prayer room this week, some things really, really spoke to me. And it was... It was a really 
it was a really awesome experience. And when Julia and I got home, we found that of all the things in that prayer room, the two same things touched us. It's amazing. One of them for me was John 15. And I thought, I'm going to read it now. But this is my abbreviated version, okay? John 15 is very long. So this is my abbreviated version, so we get the gist. But really, it comes down to this. It's all about our connection. Jesus died that we might be connected. He died for it. And now it's up to us to stay connected. And this is how Jesus described it for us. So I'm going to read this to us together now. Okay, so just, now now try and relax. Now, if you're like me, I can listen to the first few lines and my mind wanders off to what I'm doing later. So let's try and just focus now and stay focused and just see if God speaks to you too through John 15. Here we go. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He trims every branch that bears fruit. Then it will bear even more fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain joined to me and I to you, you will bear a lot of fruit. You can't do anything without me. If you don't remain joined to me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and dries up. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain joined to the vine. If you remain joined to me and my words remain in you, ask for anything you wish and it will be done for you. When you bear a lot of fruit, it brings glory to my Father and shows that you are my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. I have told you this, so that you will have the same joy that I have. I also want your joy to be complete. Just look at that a moment, what Jesus says. I have told you this about abiding and remaining, so that you will have the same joy as Jesus. I also want your joy to be complete, just as his joy is complete, by abiding and remaining. Here is my command, love one another, just as I have loved you, no one has greater love than the one who gives their life for their friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You did not choose me. Instead, I chose you. I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit that will last. I also appointed you so that the Father will give you what you ask for. He will give you whatever you ask for in my name. Here is my command. Love one another. Now, there are some amazing things in this passage for us about abiding. It's talking all about love. Just as the Father has loved Jesus, he loves us. We are loved. We are always loved. That we are called friends, friends of Jesus. He wants us to know joy like his joy and answers to prayer. So what does abiding look like? I would say it's a little bit like this. Imagine a friend comes to you for advice. And they say, have you got five minutes? I need a little bit of advice. And this friend comes to you for advice. And they start explaining to you that, you know, 
They, they've started living with a housemate or a friend or a sibling or a partner. And so, you know, they were really looking forward to it. Now they're all living in this house, or you know, people living in this house. And they go, but you know, I was so looking forward to it. But now, you know, we never really talk. Uh, I don't feel listened to, but I don't have time to listen to anyone either. We never spend time together. We're all too busy. We're too distracted. We're kind of not really sharing life. I'm feeling it's getting a bit dull. I don't know if I should move to another house. Uh, we're not. We're not, we used to like go on adventures together and spend time together and look into each other's eyes and have a conversation and feel heard and, and I mean, it's just not like that anymore and I guess we're all too busy kind of missing that connection and you would be able to see as the friend as they were asking you this advice that it's not the house that's the problem but there's a lack of connection the connection has ended and the thing that we need as human beings to be heard and understood, to give and receive love, to go out and do fun things, to share, to build our relationship. As a friend, you would see, wouldn't you? And you would advise your friend to go, do you know when you moved in with your brother, sister, friend, housemate, college friend, wife, husband, whatever, whoever the relationship is, when you moved in and you were so hopeful, were you spending more time together? Yeah, 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 I guess we were, and life has taken over. And it would be very visible to you, wouldn't it? Counseling a friend. You go, it's not the house. It's so you're not spending any time. Now, the same thing can happen with our Christianity. That the God of the universe sacrificed to bring us close. But for whatever reason, busyness or guilt or not knowing we love, we can keep a distance from the very one who can fulfill us, that our life is different, that we see the world different, that we walk with his peace, that we're not anxious, that we know the joy of Jesus, that we see answers to prayer. And wouldn't it be a shame if our Christianity was just brought down to like a few hours on a Sunday in a service and we never prayed and talked to him or listened or read his words to us. And that would be like the miserable person in the house with no friends. This is our relationship with God. Stay connected and come close. We need time with the Lord, speaking, listening, worshiping, reading, pursuing him, that the love that we have for him and him for us is alive. That's why I found the 24-7 prayer room that Chloe set up. Amazing job, well done. It was such a blessing. Going around all those different stations, it was incredible. Last week, I, I had the flu. I'm better now, so I don't have to worry. But I had the flu because she'd sent me everything on the internet. I, got, I put my, a cushion on the floor, knelt on my cushion, and I went through it. So I didn't have the luxury of all the interactive things you had. But I went through it on my computer. I just had an amazing time with God. And when Julian came home later, we found the same things had spoken to us. And I'm sure all of you who made use of that room, and we do another one another time as well. Let's stay connected to the one who loves us. He is always there and always ready to connect. But can we be always people and stay connected? And I think that's a challenge for us at the end of this series, that we stay connected to God. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Julian and I were speaking up in um, New Wine, England at their leaders' conference in Harrogate. And we met a guy there called Simon, who is a relentless evangelist. And he has just come back from living in Burundi. Yeah, Burundi. 
where he has, you know, his life has been on the line a lot. And, and he was talking about some of his experiences. And because of various things that have happened now, his children are getting to an age where they need to come over to the UK and do their exams. The whole family have come back. So he's been like living on the edge in Burundi. Like he said, the kind of prayers and requests he gets from his team, when they're out doing street work, they said, oh, pastor, could you perhaps get us a car? Doesn't matter what kind of car, but just a car so that when we get attacked, we can jump in it and escape. You know, this is how they're living. Anyways, come home. We met with him and we're just having a, um, a little drink together before doing our session. And he said, I've come back and I've moved to Bath. And he said, my biggest fear is I will be lulled into a Christian sleep. And I thought, wow, we got to stay connected. Let us not live a minimal Christian life. But let's go on adventures with Jesus. And let's see the lost saved, the sick healed. Let's see our lives transformed. Let us love one another and care for one another. In this season where there's like you know, virus attacking the world, let's get in there and care for people and help people and show that the church is real and ready to care and help. But most of all, let's stay connected. It's another talk to go through all the things, but just watch out that in this passage here in John 15, it says, these are the benefits of abiding, the love of Jesus, we are his friend, we have joy complete like his, and we will see answers to prayer as we stay connected. He is the vine, we are the branches. Wow. And so, I'm just gonna end with this. 15th of March. Now, that's a special day, the 15th of March. It's actually called the Ides of March. And it's also Julian's birthday. Ah. So in our family, we remember the 15th being Julian's birthday, but it's famous for other things too. And so, what they used to do on the Roman calendar, the 15th of March, they used to have festivals and celebrations. And one of the biggest celebrations on the calendar was they, they worshipped a goddess called Anna Perenna. And that's where Per Annum comes from, because she was the goddess of the year. And actually, they used to call it the goddess of the circle, because they saw the year as a whole circle. And they would have this celebration, and they would celebrate that the that the closing of the circle would go well and the beginning of the new circle would be uh, blessed for them. And so, so uh, and research shows that the Roman people themselves were, 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 did not hold back, put it this way, they did not hold back in celebrating this festival. And they would go into the woods and have picnics and parties and they would celebrate the new year because this was the uh, March was the new year for the Romans and it was also a time of the first full moon of the year and so they had this great festival focus and it was a time of fresh starts so often on the 15th of March on the Ides of March that's when debts were paid uh, debts were all completed and there was a festival looking back at uh, all that had happened and looking forward it's like a new year brand new start which is today the Ides of March now of course later in 45 4 BC is also known for the notorious assassination of Julius Caesar. And of course, we know that this event, when they all um, literally stabbed him in the back and assassinated him, that it started the downfall of Rome with civil war and conflict and everything. And this is actually a victory coin they made two years later uh, because Octavian.
Flavius took over, who later became Augustus, and he took his revenge for Caesar's death. And these were the coins that they put out. And that hat in the middle is actually a victory hat. So there we go. Now you know what a victory hat looks like. And of course, you can see it says Ides of March on that coin. And so they celebrated this date with parties and celebration that it was a new start, but also it became to have political connotations as well of a new day. And so I want to challenge us today, March the 15th, Ides of March, could this be the turning point for us too? Could this be like a new year, new start, where we start that journey of being always people with a hallmark of love? That we say from this day, the 15th of March, the Ides of March, that we will be connected to the vine and abiding. Because when we abide, what are those things? Love, joy, friendship, answered prayer. Will today be like a fresh start because we take on a deep understanding that our debt is paid in full. The debt is finished. And celebrate the always, the always God that you and I are loved by an always God, and he will always love you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these words that Paul wrote down for us, and that it is our goal, but it is actually reality for you. It is who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you are patient and kind with us, We thank you, Lord, that you're not easily angered and you keep no record of our wrongs. You delight in truth and you always protect. I pray, Lord, that you will help us, that we will be an always people to always trust and hope and persevere. That we too will be patient and kind with one another, not envious or boastful or proud. That we will not dishonor others or be self-seeking. Help us, Lord, not to be easily angered and keeping record of wrongs over one another. Help us, Lord, to always delight in the truth and champion it, to always protect those who are vulnerable, to trust in your way and hope in you. Help us, Lord, to never give up because love never fails. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So, Lord Jesus, we ask today, Ides of March, a new beginning, we know that our debt is paid and that you are inviting us to a whole relationship that is beyond the minimal. I ask that you will help us, Lord, to embrace that with all our heart, that we will abide in you, knowing that core truth that we are always loved and that we will walk through this world not pressured by the things it tells us we need, but actually we walk with full confidence that the master of the whole universe loves us. I thank you, Jesus, and we commit ourselves to you to start again today. In Jesus' name, amen.